Hey everybody, welcome to Artifice episode 53. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling much better this week. Things are still obviously bad and scary and unpredictable, but I'm a little bit less in shock about it this week. Um, hopefully I'm not the only one that's feeling like that. It's not ideal, but it's it's, it's a step in the right direction, maybe um, kind of, you know, adjusting and, you know, letting certain expectations go. Um, and, you know, like any kind of grief, I'm sure it will kind of ebb and flow and ups and downs. Um so the only thing I want to say in terms of like announcements is that my uh, my last single from for masks um, came out this past Friday, April 3rd. The song is called Ruin and it's my favorite song from the album. Um, so now there have been like two singles out. There's As You Are that came out on Valentine's Day, February 14th. And then now Ruin is out. So if you want to hear it. Um, go to, you know, Apple Music, Spotify, YouTube, any of the places that you hear music and check it out. And, um, yeah, like I said, it's my favorite song from the album. I'm, I'm really proud of it. Um, it's, it's super exciting for me and it has like, you know, slight apocalypse vibes. So maybe it will kind of, it'll kind of fit into your, you know, your coronavirus jams a little bit. Um, the Indiegogo campaign is still going on, um, but I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm less hyped about it, if I'm being honest. I feel like the coronavirus murdered it a little bit, and I'm, you know, I'm kind of just trying to let it go. But if you want to pre-order the album or any of the merch, the coloring book, there's so much great stuff. Um, go to Indiegogo, um, or, or probably what you should do is go to like my Facebook page and find a link, but you can also go to Indiegogo and search my name, or I titled the campaign fund the masks experience. Um, this, the album is called masks, but as I've talked about a lot, um, it's kind of more than an album. I've, I've got a, a ton of visual art and performance art and just awesome stuff with it. Um, Mm, anything else? Oh, um, if you just want to get the album and like get the information and making, making sure you're, you're hearing all of it, you don't want to like pre-order it per se, but, um, you just kind of want to make sure you're getting the news. Um, there's not a better time than now to join my mailing list. Um, I'm doing this kind of like giant interactive digital launch with like contests and challenges and um a lot of like collaborative stuff um yeah I built I I built and slash am continuing to build really like I don't know how else to describe it it's just like a, a huge creative art project that's going to be delivered like all uh via email so it's perfect for your quarantine um and it's free. So, um, I would, I would love for you to join it and just, you know, it'll give you something to do and it'll certainly like make me so happy to have as many people as possible, like, uh, consuming this thing that I've just spent so much time building. And, and honestly, like, especially since everything started with, uh, COVID-19, I've been, I've been putting even more into that experience because I know that it's, it's kind of going to be the launch because, you know, it hasn't officially been canceled yet, but I suspect that my album release show is going to get canceled. Um, 
so, you know, the event is this is this digital launch, which is it's really it's it's happening over the next you know full month. So I, I'm starting the I'm starting the the official kind of launch series uh, via email. Um, so like I'm recording this on March 31st. Um, I'm starting the the main launch on April 4th. So if you're listening to this now, you're not too late. You'll just miss I think. The, the very first email in, in kind of the sequence. Um, yeah. And really I can't emphasize enough how like it's super interactive. It's very like, I've, I've tried to apply like all of my art skills, um, to this project. So it's not just like, Oh my gosh, a newsletter. It's like, it's a big, I'm using email as like a medium for this kind of interactive, you know, art launch. Oh my gosh, I've been talking for so long, but I really am excited about it. And like I said, it's free. So all you have to do is go to my website and join the mailing list um, and you'll you'll get it. Um, But do it soon because as of when you're hearing this, the launch process has already begun. Um, And it will end on May 8th, which is the date that the album drops like for the public. Um, But they're not, the public's not going to get all this awesome stuff that I've built for like behind the scenes, blah, blah, blah. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to April. April's my favorite month of the year. My birthday's in April. Plus it's springy and fun and lovely. Um, and in this month, um, April, you'll be hearing my little Boise series. Um, so I, I went to Boise in January and conducted three interviews. So you'll be hearing those. And then I've got, I've got one more Utah person at the end of April and that that's the end of the podcasts that I've recorded as of this date. So if things don't get a little bit better, I might have to take like a, a small break due to coronavirus. Um, but we don't need to worry about that today because today you are going to hear from comedian, Boise-based comedian, Sean Hancock. And I'm going to read you Sean's bio right now. Sean Hancock is a multifaceted performer, award-winning actor, and the creator of the award-winning comedy company Recycled Minds. With versatile creativity, Sean's work goes beyond borders in film, commercials, theater, sketch, stand-up, spoken word, and improvisation. Um, Then there's lots of accolades in the middle, skipping ahead to the end of the bio. In addition to performance, Sean Hancock is an expert in corporate training and coaching through improvisational comedy. His teaching and influence have been sought after by corporations, executive teams, and individuals who want to increase their professional and personal influence through principles like thinking outside the box, active listening, elevating others, building confidence, and improving communication. Through the power of play and the principles of improvisational comedy, Sean has been transforming a variety of industries and individuals into confident powerhouses for over 15 years. Jean, or maybe it's Jean, I'm not sure, Jean Piaget, a clinical psychologist, said it best. If you want to be creative, stay in part a child with the creativity and invention that characterizes children. Okay, you guys, enjoy the first in the Boise series. Here comes Sean Hancock. Sometimes art feels like magic, pure, visionary, And sometimes it's brought to you in part by focus groups and algorithms. And the makers of art are no different. We're creatives, sure, but we're also salespeople. We need imagination and imitation. We need deep, meaningful connections, but we also have to network. Yep, even if you're an introvert. And that's my point. Balancing vulnerability with veneer is tricky. 
and it's a struggle we don't often share. So let's share. I'm Emily Merrill, and this is Artifice. Today's episode of Artifice is brought to you by The Voice Straw. Back in episode 36, I interviewed Justin Timberlake's voice teacher, the amazing Mindy Pack. Mindy just launched this incredible new product designed to improve the quality of singing and vocal performance through science and proper technique. The Voice Straw is a vocal training tool for singers, actors, and speakers. It helps relieve tension, strain, breathiness, cracking, and flipping in the voice. Scientifically shown to improve singing technique, a must-have tool for anyone looking for vocal success. Head to www.voicestraw.com and enter promo code ARTIFICE10, that's all caps, A-R-T-I-F-I-C-E-1-0, for 10% off your purchase today. So they're designed to like not pick up the drum set that's behind you, you know? So they're super close range, which is great for like avoiding bleed Mm -hmm. but if people like yeah they're talking they're like yeah yeah, yeah, yeah." Yeah, then the sound (laughs) is like gone so okay we're in business i'm here in my third interview in the boise series in Mm. one day and i'm feeling great i um i planned it i planned it so i would and i mean well i was gonna start the day with you but then since you we had to move it i i booked an interview with a visual artist this morning so i'm ending with the person who i think is most likely to just be really easy to talk to because you have a podcast you're a performer so it's it's gonna be easy I'm, I'm excited okay. so I always start with people um, at the very beginning of their lives and ask what were you like as a creative child oh wow well um, I remember my aunt uh, telling me uh, she's like, uh, she told me I was going to be a comedian when I was just a little kid. I didn't like, silly I didn't, little Billy. I was a silly, silly <laughs> little rascal. And I didn't even know what a comedian meant. You have plenty um, of slack here. If you okay. Need more. Thank you. The headphones don't have that much more, but got it. I just, thanks for cutting me some slack. Yeah. <laughs> so the uh, jokes, the jokes already are beginning. already happening. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, for me, you know, what's funny is my brother, and sister, I think I was inspired most by creatively. My brother's four years older than me. Cool. And he he was like an incredible artist when he was very young. Visual art. Uh, visual art. Okay. Yeah. And he also had like inventions. Like he got awesome. an award as a kid for this reclining reading chair that he got. Just a creative mind. Just a creative mind. Yeah. Uh, if you were to ask us today, I w- he would say that I'm like the, the artist in the family. Isn't that weird? I talked to is. so many artists who have similar... Hmm. Like similar things like that, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so you you were being creative with like humor and like I assume like maybe storytelling when you were really little. Yeah, I think um, what's interesting is, gosh, I'm trying to think. So l- let me just give you a a big point in my life that okay. I think was altering for me when it came to the world of comedy. Uh, I, I think maybe like most kids or boys my age, I wanted to be uh, an archaeologist or I wanted to dig up dinosaur bones, you know. Um, But when it came to creativity, I just wanted to be able to draw like my brother and keep inside the lines like my sister. And I was constantly taking crayons or crayons, whatever you pronounce them. It's crayons. It's crayons. If you're from Texas, you'll say crowns. Crowns. Okay. Yeah. I'm not from people from Texas say crowns. So what do, what do they say when you put on your head as a king or a queen? It's a crown. 
So you can say I was coloring my crown with my crown. Yes. Okay. All right. It's it's a thing. Okay. Yeah. When I moved to Texas, I was like, "What word are you saying?" Mm-hmm. So anyway, you wanted to be <laughs> creative like your siblings. Yeah, I did, <laughs> and um, uh, and I started. So my family and I, we moved. I was born originally in Montana, and then we moved, bounced around in, from California to Montana. Don't judge me. Uh, but I'm not, no, I'm just saying I your listeners Ari- might be. Oh, okay. I no. grew up in Arizona <laughs> and then lived in Texas and okay. then Utah. Okay. So, so you get it. We're the same. We're the same. We've lived in like white people places. Right. A lot I of mean, Texas and California have, there's some but, diversity, but my California. guess is that the neighborhoods we were living in were maybe not those. Right. Yeah. You are correct. Yeah. So, um, so when I moved, this is kind of a funny story. When I moved back from California to Montana, there, my mom had to give me a haircut in the shape of a mullet so I'd fit in with the rest of my class. Awesome. So, uh, and Montanans don't like didn't take well to Californians when I had moved there, and so I was basically the new kid to pick on. Oh. So for about probably about two years, fifth and fourth and fifth grade. I was bullied yeah. and it was really, it was new to me because in California I, I wasn't, I was like more of a popular kid. Yeah. So I had this new life change. I was bullied. I spent a summer with my grandparents and they fed me too much microwave pizza mm. and I came back as a balloon. So yeah. I it was How old easier. Were you? I was, so this is oh, uh, fifth grade. Okay. And so, um, I moved in fifth grade also. You did? Okay. So it's a hard age to move. It is a hard age. It's like right when kids start being like so mean. I had mm -hmm. the exact same experience in my previous school. I felt like I had a lot of friends. I never worried at all about any social things and then moved in like in a day, just social status plummeted. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a tough age to move. It's a tough age to be chunky. That was a tough, that was a toughie for me. Uh, so it was so difficult for me that I ended up, um, crying to my parents and telling them I, I couldn't go to school anymore. I was oh, done. Yeah. And so they actually pulled me, my brother and my sister out of school and oh homeschooled us for an entire year. Wow. So, yeah. So I made a lot of friends with, uh, with, uh, other kids in like the homeschool cool. area. Yeah. So. Uh, so this is kind of what ended up happening for me that summer I developed something one was work ethic because Mm. my mom she's like guys I'm just gonna just gonna be real with you your curriculum allows you to go on your own yeah and so you can if you do your work you can be done at any time you want as long as your work gets done so I ended up getting all my stuff done quick. And I didn't know that it was like creating work ethic for me. I was able to retain all this information. Yeah. And so I was able to then go and play with my brother and sister after we were done. So it was, it was about play. So every day was almost like Friday night. You know, it was like, it was like the weekend every morning I'd do all my homework Yeah. and then we'd have the whole day. Every day day you had a weekend. Exactly. Exactly. And what it was doing for me, it was, it was helping me create social skills at a young age Mm. because my my siblings are both three and four years older than me. Yeah. So I was needing to develop socially to adapt and play games at their age. Sure. So when yeah. I came back to school, um, junior yeah. high and high Hot school. stuff. 
Booyah. Watch out. <laughs> this homeschool kid's got some skills. And you were playing so much that you worked off all that microwave pizza. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Because you finished your work quickly and then uh-huh. you were playing all day. That's right. It's um, all about play. And I'm still playing today. So, so how is this related to comedy? So um, going into school, and honestly, I think it was around my freshman year of high school okay. that I was very aware this, it was like a light switch happened for me. Uh, first it was at lunchtime. I realized that people were laughing at me, like things I was saying and doing stories. I was Mm. telling impressions of teachers that I was doing. Uh, they were laughing at me and not, and not, I should say not at me, but, but at what I was saying. Yeah. Laughing at your, your material. (laughs) Right. Exactly. My material. I didn't even know. I was like, Oh, I'm creating (laughs) material. This is fantastic. So, um, so I was like, oh, wow, this is really cool. I'm going to keep doing whatever this thing is that I've discovered. Yeah. And I remember, like it was yesterday, that I'm in the hallway of this school in Montana. And I'm like near the lockers. And there's just this half moon circle of people standing around me, listening to me. Wow. And it was like an outer body experience yeah. where I'm looking at some of them who are laughing and there's some of the kids that used to pick on me. So weird. Y- you know what I mean? Years yeah. back. And now they're like laughing and interested in what I had to yeah. say. And that's where I kind of discovered that humor is a gift. Yeah. And I also now I'm aware of the fact that it can be used as a crutch or it can be used to hide behind. Yeah. Um, but Let's if you definitely can... talk about that later. Okay. But if you can use it as a tool to give people some value and entertainment, yeah. they end up value, valuing you. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So, okay, I know that creativity is something you got to start working on when you're younger, even mm-hmm. if you're not in like your your medium yet. So, is there anything that like what were you what did you feel like was like how was your creative energy getting out before that? Mhm. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think, like to think about it because I think it's really easy for people to project onto like professional adult creatives that like the origin of your creativity was the origin of like your your medium. Mm. And I just don't think it's usually true. No, yeah. So I, I like right. to make sure we kind of capture like where was the what was where was the creative energy like before yeah. you found your the medium you like. Yeah, I mean, for me as a kid, I loved like going out in the woods and playing, you know, cowboys and Indians. And play- yeah, you love yeah. playing pretend. That was really fun for me. And having siblings and cousins who were older than me and I'd have to play in their yeah, their games, like their imaginative. Like a, like a theme. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so do you feel like that was like you were maybe learning how to like adapt? Yes. That's creativity for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. I talk about that with the people a lot. Like, you know, we think of creativity as being like it needs to be productive, like it mm-hmm. needs to have a product. Um, but I think so much of of what is kind of unique about, you know, what we do as creatives is like things like adaptability, things like just reframing. Mm-hmm. So I can totally see that like having to enter this kind of world that's created by kids that are like a little bit older than you, maybe they're thinking about different stuff would be kind of at the root of something that allows you to be like a good comedian now. Yeah. You know, uh, 
kids are the best learners, you know, like uh, the way you, you teach a kid is by showing them. They're constantly, people are always like, oh, kids are the most creative, but really they're the most attentive. They're absorbing things like sponges. And often we learn that along the, we lose that along the way as we get older because we feel like we know it all. But if we have a learner's mentality, right, there's a fixed mentality or a learner's mentality right. that, you know, that uh, totally. is kind of a popular topic yeah, nowadays. Carol Dweck mindset. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's where it comes. That's the book. Oh, is it? Yeah. Fixed mindset and growth mindset. See, you get yeah. it. Yeah. You get it. Yeah. Um, and so for me and and now still to this day, I'm, I, I work with kids and I yeah. work with adults in the realm of improvisation, right? And with adults, I'm giving them the license to be kids again. Totally. And with children, I'm showing them the way. Similarly, how my brother and sister showed me the way to improvise in their, or to play in their world, to play in their imagination and their game, yeah. to show me what was possible. Yeah. So I do that with kids now. And some yeah. kids, what's really kind of sad is I've been having adults share with me that their kids are losing imagination. Yeah, I don't know if you've come across that. Well, I te- that I also teach adults and kids, mm. and I fully experience the same thing, mm. which is which is one reason why I think it's so important for me to ask adult creatives what they were like as kids. Yeah, because when you know when I have a student whose parents, you know, I'm teaching singing and songwriting. When I have a student whose parents are like, well, she needs to sound more like Taylor Swift or more like. I just think like, well, when Taylor Swift was a kid, her parents were like, what do you want to do? You know, like, and she was totally free. So Mm -hmm. if you think you're going to, you know, totally change this process and have a similar result, like you couldn't be more wrong. So that's why, I mean, I, I like talking to adult comedians about how chaotic their creativity was as children or how like very small and fragile it was because it's, I just think it's so important not to project a certain path onto mm-hmm. a child. There's no way to connect. There's no way to know like what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I fully agree with that. Yeah. I, I You do have to, the, that age where you just got to try as much stuff as possible and see what sticks, what, yeah. what it is you enjoy. Yeah. Explore. Um, yes, totally. Mm-hmm. And I think you're, I think you're so right that we lose it as we get older, which is why like, I like to start the podcast when we're so little. Um, and then I, and then the next thing I want to talk about is like, you already brought it up is like this stage where maybe you start getting some like validation mm-hmm. for like a certain thing, which maybe encourages you to stick in one medium, you know, or whatever. So when you're like starting to be in high school, uh, I have a couple of questions. One being, um, when you started getting that validation, did your like creativity and like your art, did you start, did you get scared about it? Mm. Like once it's attached to a result, do you feel scared? You know, um, I wasn't scared because I didn't know what it was. Sure. It was, it was almost as if, um, I don't know, like maybe like a sport where you just, you're shooting and, and the, and it's going in the hoop. Yeah. And you're just like, Oh, this is just, it's not, I don't know how I'm just doing it. So I, so it wasn't nervous. It was just happening. Yeah. And it was, and people were saying like, uh, so, so I remember my sister telling me, Sean, there's a school play and I, I think you should try out. My brother had actually got the, the lead role as a senior and I was cool. a freshman and so I tried out and I got a really small role, but it was like the comedic role. Sure. There's always one. Right. <laughs> and, um, like 
the audience was gave me this huge ovation after mm-hmm. I did my seven or eight lines, yeah. you know, and my brother and he had senioritis and he's okay with me sharing this cause he, he knows it, but, uh, senioritis meaning like he was like was the captain tight. of the football team. Oh, he was a big deal. And yeah. he believed like he was, yeah. he was the, 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 the cat's meow, so to yeah. speak, you know? And, uh, and I was a freshman, so I was like yeah. a peon and he let yeah. me know it, you know? Yeah. Um, but he said to me something after the show, he's like, wow, I had the lead, lead role and you had seven lines and you stole the show. Yeah. And for <laughs> him to say that to me, him. yeah, yeah. So for him to say that to me also was almost him complimenting me, you know? Sure. Um, but I, you know, kudos to my sister cause she's she said it and I probably would have never auditioned had she not yeah. told me to. Um, so I'm really thankful for that. But I had teachers coming up to me after the play and they're like, you have to keep doing something in this acting realm because there's something about you. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that was maybe the, was that kind of the first time that you went like, oh, this is a thing. That Yeah. That was the first time I did like a performance and it wasn't just an aunt or a relative yeah. saying something. It was like, multiple people coming and saying something to me where I was like, wow, I have something here. Yeah. Yeah. That I should develop. Um, how did that, did, did that feel like totally positive or did you feel, was there any sort of like, I don't know if I can do it. Um, I just like to ask because it's such a teenage, you know, your brain is in that teenage space. Yeah. uh, You know what? I, I didn't know how to do it. Yeah. So it was really cool that people were saying, Hey, this is really great. And I was like, I'm glad you all had fun. I have no I idea how to connect the dots to make, you know, where's the next stop for me? Like yeah. the silver screen. I don't know. Yeah. So what did you do in high school? Like what, I mean, up until the time that you were like graduating in, from your perspective, how were you like cultivating skills? Um, I s- started doing drama. And so I started taking some, just doing acting stuff. And in Montana, there wasn't, (laughs) and I lived in a very, very rural area, very small town. Um, Like we lived in the mountains, 14 miles from town. Like, uh, so uh, in my high school, after it consolidated with another school, eight miles away, we ended up having a hundred people in our entire high school. Oh my gosh. So very small. There's like 20, 30 kids in our school. And this is like before like the internet is like a big enough thing yeah. that you can, yeah, the, nowadays people would just, you have a platform, but yeah. when you don't, what are you going to do? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's the, the days where, you know, we memorized our friends, phone numbers and stuff like that. Yeah. You probably still have a couple I like do. on there lock are, in there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I think I was like, okay, well I'll just try drama. I'll just try anything around acting. And in yeah. fact, I ended up moving my senior year. I know uh, how funny is this? Like going from a kid who got bullied and picked on to beg his parents to homeschool him to end up being nominated as student body president. Yeah, you know, uh, because so crazy finding that humor was something that was valuable and really I kind of coming into my own. You know, I think you you find that in high school. Most people, well, some people do. Yeah, (laughs) I well, I do think like even if people don't come into their own, they at least kind of go like I think this is some of this is who I am yeah even if they're not ready to like live in it right and by the way if you're listening to this and you're still figuring out that is totally fine too yeah some of us also figure it out like a second time in our Mm -hmm. 20s that's right and then I'm you know I'm almost 32 so but I I've heard about this thing the midlife crisis (laughs) 
So we know it's a thing we, that's we happening. Know. It's co- yeah, it's on its way. Right? <laughs> so, um, so I ended up moving to pursue this this thing, and to me, really, it was like almost like this uh, this moving target or something I couldn't quite grasp or understand. I didn't have other people around me yeah. that had had that same Any kind of experience. thing. They'd be like, "Hey, like, let me show you the way, kid." Sure. Like I didn't have that, so yeah. I was kind of like grasping. And the internet, like, was still very yeah. very new. So. The internet was a whole different thing. Back exactly. Then. Yeah. How old are you? I'm 37. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. I remember what the internet was like when you were 30, when you were, you know, the same age that I was when the internet was doing that thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a whole different thing. It was like Ask Jeeves was Google. And and then like (laughs) there, I have this specific memory. I think about this all the time. I was in, I was 14, which means it was like 2002 and I was doing a report in, for my biology class on frogs and we were supposed to like use the internet. The assignment was like, use the internet. Because it was this new thing to try to, like, find something about, like, a frog reproductive system. And I remember, like, not Googling, because that wasn't a thing, like, ask Jeevesing, searching in the browser, uh, like, something about a frog reproductive system. And there was just, like, nothing. It was, like, so hard to find it. There just wasn't stuff on the internet about a frog reproductive system. Right. I don't think YouTube was even around yet. It wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. And now, like everything about a frog reproductive system is on the internet it's everywhere you look every single thing but frogs like, that's such a specific thing that like would be so easy to find mm-hmm. now absolutely 100%. and i just i remember just being like but you know there isn't anything like how am i supposed to do my homework mm-hmm. there's nothing on the internet about this yeah anyway which you know there's a whole other conversation of like how the internet has changed the game for education in yeah. general and uh, so that's all that conversation so where did you move i moved all the way to idaho uh <laughs> by yourself no uh we my family, family pulled up stakes and we all moved to uh near boise area for you um it was less for me i think um my brother and sister were still kind of they were like in college yeah so, it so they ended up following us out after they kind of did uh, their stint at the yeah. university. Um, but I, my dad was, was he went to Coeur d'Alene and kind of fell in love with this part of Idaho and kind of want, he, you know, he has this adventurer side mm-hmm. where he just likes to get up and go yeah. places. And I was like, I'm up for it. And they were like, well, it's your senior year. You just got, you know, elected yeah. student body president. And I was like, yeah, I think I want, I think I, I need want more. something more. Yeah. Yeah. And so, well, we moved to um, Idaho and did you like, I don't know how to ask this question, but like, well, okay. How much were you articulating to like your parents that like performing was something you wanted to do? Like how aware were they of that? Um, I want to say that I was fairly, uh, I'm very communicative with my parents and I think I was at a fairly young age. Yeah. Um, and I think that I was maybe pretty in touch with my feelings or my emotions enough to articulate what it was that I wanted enough, at least for my mom to really ask more questions to get out more answers. Great. And then my follow up question is like, did they, and it's, I don't want a yes or no answer, but like the question is a yes or no. Did, Did they like believe in you? Like how did they feel about your ability to like make that work? Were they worried 
Were they worried about your future? You know what's funny is I've fairly recently thought back on that exact same thing. And I was like, maybe my parents were just like, oh, we believe in in you kind of a thing. However, I know that that's not necessarily true, meaning that they thought that I had something special, for lack of a better word, about me when it came to the realm of acting and really wanted me to go into yeah. that area. They didn't know much about it, but they were like, go, go I mean, into the that. The fact that they wanted you to, I think they is, did. It's yeah, huge. It is huge. I know I, a lot of people don't get that. And they're I'm like, when are you going to do? Okay. Yeah. So you probably, my parents were like, no, you can't major in music. Absolutely right. not. Right. You need to get this career path. You need to find a, a real quote unquote real job kind yeah. of thing. Right. My and parents I, like still don't think I'm a real musician right you're 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 in a phase they think kind of a thing yeah yeah (laughs) yeah that's funny and I think unfortunately I mean that's a lot of parents and I honestly I think it comes from a decent place originally but the world has changed and it's just it's just ignorance and like I don't mean it like well you're ignorant it's just like when you as a an adult don't know any professional artists it's really hard to imagine that your kid can be one because you can't, you don't know how to connect those dots mm-hmm. just like how you didn't. Right. But if also your, you know, your, your parents don't know, how can they picture you being successful? They have no idea what it looks like except Brad Pitt, mm-hmm. you know, and they, and they know like, well, maybe you're not Brad Pitt, you know? Uh, but I think like, surely people can understand that there's like entertainment literally everywhere right and people are making it and making money (laughs) right yeah so i appreciate that your parents like even though they didn't know we're still just like he's he's good at something he's good at this Mm -hmm. that's i think that's in it is enormous and emily do you have brothers and do you have siblings i do i'm the oldest of four oh you're the oldest of four okay i wonder too if there's has something to do with the the sibling lineup could because be. I'm the yeah. youngest, right? Yeah. And I think that my brother had it more strict. My yeah. sister had it less. And I had... Om- they like, trusted the process. Yeah, they, they were trusted like, the process. He's going to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah totally. Yeah. And I feel like what... You know, there's that saying of like, we stand on the shoulder of giants. But uh, what I mean by that is like things... I expect things. Yeah. You know, as being the youngest, mm. things are coming my way. Mm-hmm. If I just am <laughs> oh hopeful, gosh. you know what I mean? <laughs> and I know the, the oldest or the, you know, yeah. my, my sister's the middle. So she's like the peacemaker. But um, but like you have to earn things. You have to work for yeah. things. And, I, and then, don't get me wrong. I believe that like... The harder you work, the quicker things sure. come to you. Yeah. But I have this like I have this mindset that if I really, really honestly believe in something and want to yeah. do something, it's coming. You know, <laughs> have you heard of um, th- there's this book by Adam Grant uh, called Originals, oh, okay. and he specifically talks about comedians, and like he says that like the vast majority of professional comedians are the youngest child. How funny. I didn't so, know that. But okay. artists in general, though, like originals. Mm-hmm. The book is called Originals. Okay. Like people who are original are, are usually the youngest child. Oh, that's cool. I love so, that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it makes all of us oldest children creatives be like, well... There's that. Yeah. You're the exception to the rule, I suppose. Right. (laughs) Or like, maybe I'm not really supposed to be a creative or like, I had a weird, I had weird dynamics in my family. My, my, I've been pretty open about it, but my mom, she's, she passed away two years ago, but I think Mm. she had narcissistic personality disorder, like legit clinical. And, um, 
she had like issues with me from like the day I was born. Like there was like a competition, like scapegoating thing happening. So, you know, my relationship with my parents is not really related to my siblings. Like my siblings had different parents than I had. Interesting. So I think yeah. maybe as an oldest child, like I don't, I'm not an oldest child in the typical way. Right. I think. I see. Like my, the brother who's just younger than me uh-huh. is like the respected child. Right. So who knows? You know, um, <laughs> Can I share something fairly personal? Absolutely. Uh, just between the two of us, right? Uh, <laughs> just joking. <laughs> so my my brother, four years older, I said earlier, um, he was, so there was a time fairly recently that my dad and him were a little bit at odds. Mm. And he would talk to me on the phone. Yeah. And I could hear the frustration that he would have mm. for my brother. And it really, it struck a chord in me. Mm. And I ended up saying... Do you know what my hope and prayer for my brother is? And they were all ears. They're listening. And I was like, I, my hope is that you treat him the way that you treat me. Wow. That's really like, I bet that would like wreck your brother to hear that. Yeah. I've I've never told him (laughs) unless unless he hops on podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. So he's in, he's a gen, gen X or gen I bet he would feel very like, very moved by that. You know, um, he might. And, and I think my parents were actually moved by that because they realized that they were treating us differently. Yeah. And, and I basically, and I basically just kind of, and I didn't mean to like educate my, my parents on this or that, but sometimes we need people to hold the mirror up to us to Mm -hmm. remind us of like, Hey, this is, this is really who we are. Or Hey, we've got something in our teeth. You know, um, and we all need that from time to time. And that's what I think good family and good friends can do for us. And I, and I, that's what I want for people to do to me if I, you know, get off my track, so to speak. Well, I love this idea that like, you know, for, for whatever reason, youngest child, whatever you're, you, you're, you were raised in a way that kind of like, or you just have the personality to be like, things are coming my way. Mm-hmm. I think that's awesome. Yeah. So you, you probably have been able to skip some of the art angst that some of us have. You know, I think so. <laughs> I'm a very, this, I'm a very joyful person. Yeah. And uh, what's really ironic is a lot of comedians aren't. They can often be very depressed. Yeah. And there's this old, you know, there's this joke of there's a person who goes into the doctor's office and he's like, I'm really dr- depressed. I'm really down. And he's like, well, my friend, I've got just the thing. And he slides over a, a ticket to a comedy show. Yeah. And uh, the great so-and-so is yeah. in town. And the and the person's like, doc, that's, that's me. That's me. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I see it coming. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's a joke, but also, yeah. You know, but I, <laughs> totally. you know, it's, it, and I think, and I do a, I do kind of different comedy than than stand up anyways because I do a lot of improv, yeah. which means I have to be in the moment and I'm constantly interacting with yeah. the audience. It is like jazz, right? Yeah. Where, um, but I'm I'm playing jazz with the audience. Right. They're the tempo or they're the bass, and I'm yeah. I'm the guitar riff or yeah. I'm the singer. You know, cool. That's going along. Yeah. So, so yeah, let's talk about how you like got into it. I mm-hmm. mean, got into that. Okay. So, I, oh, actually, I just want to ask one more question about sure. like those teen years. Were you what were you consuming? Like, like, uh, like shows or books or or yeah, any. I mean, what? Like, I just want maybe want to have an idea. Like, w- were you a fan of a specific kind of thing? Green Did, Day. 
Cool. So you were listening to music. Oh, yeah. And then like in terms Nirvana. of comedy or even like writing, maybe like mm-hmm. w- was there anything that you were like, did you have heroes? Yeah, it's such a good question. Honestly, I wanted to be Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day. Yeah. And um, I did my hair Green like Day, him. So, I wore like, of course you did. Yeah. <laughs> like that just, you're the perfect age for oh, that, yeah, I was for that answer. Like, you know, I, I auditioned for musicals and I would use a Green Day song as yeah. my audition piece, you know. Mm. Hey, mister, where oh, you had you were it? singing. Right. You, you yeah. were singing. You I, were in musicals. I was in musicals okay. and I wasn't very good. And I know that that's true because my, my mother let me know. Well, Green, <laughs> Green Day is not like the singing is not. No, he's not known for his it's incredible fine. singing voice. Anyways. It's not about that. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's like, I think he gave hope to anyone who didn't. Right. Know the it's not, a, voice. it's not about singing. I, I'm right. not, it's, it's not a diss. It's like, that's, it's not about that. Right. <laughs> if anything, it's like a, it should be, uh, a bright shining light to kids who love music and, mm-hmm. and maybe have do not have trained voices. That's so right. I, I think that's fine. Yeah. My, my dad turned me on to the stooges when I was pretty young, the okay. three stooges. And he was part of this membership. Like he was a, he was at his school. He was like the president of the three stooges club. And so I watched a lot of black and white three stooges stuff. My dad had like VHSs cool. back. Remember VHSs? I do. Uh, so, um, I loved Warner Brothers, like cartoons, mm-hmm. like uh, like Disney, yeah. like, uh, you know, Sword in the Stone. That was my yeah. jam. Sword in the Stone is a super underrated Disney movie. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I'm and, with you. And uh, Robin Hood, you know, uh, the animated I'm version still, of the Fox. I just said this to someone like last week, but like, I still have a crush on that Fox. <laughs> He's, I think he's that's an where the term fox, fox, but came he was from. like, he was, he was they really made him very sexy. handsome. Yeah. They, they made for, so I was very taken with him as it's like a small girl. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> I think it was the voice and the very, like Marion. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was really he charming. Was very cl- he was he very was charming. He was very charming. Yeah. Every, uh, every, uh, you know, guys wanted to be him and, and girls wanted to be wooed I by him. wanted to marry him a little. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I think I had a fairly normal, you know, upbringing watching Saved by the Bell. But you weren't one of those kids that was like binging SNL and like making notes. I will say that I got turned on to sketch comedy and I loved Kids in the Hall and I loved In Living Color still to this day, like that show and like the talent on that show. Yeah. And I really think it was the synergy, like J-Lo was on that, uh, cool. Jamie Foxx, awesome. uh, Jim Carrey, you know, yeah. like they were, they all started on this really interesting sketch show that huh. didn't have, you know what yeah. I mean? Weird. I don't, I don't know about that. It's, it's really incredible. And all of them ended up becoming like superstars, yeah. you know? And they yeah. were, they were nothing, but I think wow. anyways, it was like this yeah. synergy that they all kind of created together. And you were, you were into that in high school. I was into that in okay. high school. Yeah, for sure. So when you and moved, yeah. Tell me, tell me the story of like how you started to get like more serious, like toward a, a more professional track. Yeah. I think after moving, after getting out of, so when I was still in high school, I started auditioning for plays that uh, adults were in. Okay. And, um, and so I was having to do my homework. And then drive out to a rehearsal. Yeah. And then come home. Sometimes I'd pull over in the Kmart parking lot because I was so exhausted so that I'd sleep for a couple hours and then continue on oh getting gosh. home so that I could go to school the next day. Oh my gosh. So, um, when were these musicals or straight plays? These were musicals, most cool. of them. Yeah. 
Uh, I, if I would have, if I could choose, I would have chose straight plays. Yeah. But, um, but, but like we talked about the singing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They were doing musicals and you were like, I'll do my best. And my, my green day audition (laughs) got me a role as nerd number four in Greece. So that's where it started. I played Sandy in Greece once. Oh, come on. The, the musical is a lot less fun than the movie. Uh, That's what people don't know. (laughs) I auditioned for it and I was all excited. And then when I was reading the script, I was like, oh, Sandy is sad and boring Uh and really lame. Yeah. Yeah. It was okay. Yeah. You had all the same music, but yeah, you're right. It's not all the same music. Oh yeah, I guess you're right. There's yeah. there's Some a couple of the numbers. Some of the best songs from the movie like aren't in the play. But then there are a couple songs in the play that are Grease Lightning, Summer Lovin'. Yeah. Uh Beauty School Dropout. Anyways. Yeah. Beauty School Dropout is yeah. Yep, that's in it for sure. <laughs> that one that big one that they do with like the leather pant where she's wearing the leather pants that'd yeah. be sewn on. That mm-hmm. one's not in the play. No, you're the one that I want. Yeah. Yeah, no. That one, there's a different song. They should have had that one in there. They should. Anyway, Greece. So, okay. So then what happened? So, um, I continued. So I had some, I had a, a, I was taking this on camera acting class. Cool. And, um. In college? In high school? No, out of, in high, uh, just out of high school. Okay. So I actually, uh, I visit, I like to say I visited college. I visited college. I love that. I took an acting class and a business class. Cool. I dropped out of the business class. And ace the acting class. Uh, awesome. And, and now I run a business teaching. Okay, I do want to ask, though, when you applied to college, what major did you declare, if if any? I think I declared uh, uh, something in the theater arts, I think, yeah. is what I was going to go I for. like to ask people about this moment. You know, when when we send 18-year-olds to college, mm-hmm. it's so insane we ask them to declare a major. Mm-hmm. But I think the act of, like, doing that can be really, it can, like, really affect people. It yeah. can either be like, I, yes, I am. Or right. it can be like, I don't know, I guess. Yeah. It can freak people out. So do you, do you remember anything about, like, you know, having to kind of, like, say, I'm going into acting? Yeah, uh, I, I, I did. And, um, you know, being that youngest child and the doors are going to open for me. Yeah. I could not get a f- into Boise state full time, even though I lived here wow. because I, I was such a bad student. Oh, no. I was so bad. I was a 2.8 <laughs> GPA and I never made the honor roll until I moved to Idaho. I actually started applying myself because yeah. I realized, oh, I've got this thing with acting, and there yeah. was this whole like really. So cool you learned that program. work ethic back in, but yeah. you didn't apply. I it. didn't apply it because I was I would turn into a social butterfly. Yeah, and um, I had friends who were helping me with my homework, and yeah, yeah so uh, so I was not the greatest student uh, in school. But yeah. what I learned is I actually. <laughs> what's funny is how poorly of a student I was, I was actually really good socially. Yeah. And those social skills have helped me in business. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So you, you visited college. I visited college. I, I love that. Tipped my cap. And then, and then what did you do? And then I did some summer stock theater and then I went, I moved to Los Angeles. I met a girl, thought she was the one, uh, proposed, got engaged, broke up three months before the wedding, uh, not my choice, hers. So I wow. was like, wow, I have nothing to offer the opposite sex. Downworld spiral, <laughs> looked for love in all the right place, wrong places, <laughs> uh, moved back to Los Angeles. And, uh, Wait, where 
So you went to Los Angeles and then moved to Los Angeles, moved to LA with my girlfriend and some friends proposed, moved back to Idaho to get married and start the settle down and then broke up. And I was like, I, in retrospect, best thing that ever happened to you. Totally. Yeah, totally. You never feel the blessings and disguises never feel like blessings. You know, I have a really weird situation where my first boyfriend who I thought I was going to marry, um, totally broke my heart. If I hadn't dated him, I never would have met my now husband. So, I mean, it's perverse in like this (laughs) really upsetting way, but it's true. (laughs) I mean, there's no, there's no way, no way that I would have met my husband if I didn't like we dated long distance for two years. Yeah. We wouldn't have ran into each other. Right. We wouldn't have met each other. Yeah. It's like a specific mutual friend situation. Uh-huh. It's, anyway. it's, it reminds me, you know, that, that saying of like, uh, what doesn't kill you make you, makes you stronger. Yeah. I feel like there's a certain strength that maybe you were being made for. Does that yeah. make sense? Or it's just bizarre. And if it wasn't that, it would have been something else. <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't try to put a lot of meaning on it other than just like, that's weird. Yeah. That's a weird thing. Um, but so you moved back to Los Angeles. Yes. Were you, were you broken? Like, oh did, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, th- so, um, by the way, simply because you move from an area doesn't mean you're moving that person out of your, your heart. Of right? course. Yeah. So there was definitely still like, uh, you know, and I, I think every day, like instead of thinking about that person for you know, 23,000 moments out of the day, you end up thinking of them for 21,099. Yeah. You know, it's every day is a little less. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but I think I didn't know this, but I had some, some attachment to that person that I didn't know how mm. to break. I just didn't know how to move on. I didn't know how to heal relationally. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and I didn't know that people knew how to like, like, that's even a thing. That's so real. That thing you just said, like when you're a teenage, when you're a teenager and a really young adult, mm-hmm. you, you don't know that other people have been through the things you've been through. Right. You don't know that there are resources. Yeah. It's the loneliest thing. It is. For your like totally undercooked brain. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Not so alone. what, what did you do? You, I mean, Moving to Los Angeles with someone is a totally different thing than moving to Los Angeles by yourself. Totally, yeah. So that, did you feel, did that require like bravery or did it feel like this is just what I have to do? Yeah, I like to call it my Sinead O'Connor era. I shaved my head <laughs> and hopped in my car and drove to Glendale, California and c- quickly got a job and instantly uh, auditioned to get into the Groundling School okay. of Improv. So it's great. a really great school for improvisation. I'm aware of it. Okay, awesome. I mean, I love comedy. Like, I mean, I don't do it, but like I listen to comedy podcasts only. <laughs> so awesome. I feel like I, I'm, 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 I have the comedy like lingo yeah. and venues even. I got it. You got it. I mean, I don't got all of it, but I got more than... You probably have more than me, to be honest with you. I listen to a lot of comedy podcasts, <laughs> but like just comedians yeah. talking, Yeah, you know, so yeah. like hearing their stories. So the Groundlings, yes, yeah, of course, Groundlings. the Groundlings. So you audition for the Groundlings, you're 20... I'm 23. Okay. Yeah. Um, end up getting into their schooling and... Um, 
and then get a job. I'm working as a bartender and waiting tables, okay. which classic, right? Yeah. I um, mean, you have to, right? What else are you going to do <laughs> I know. while you're trying to audition for the ground lakes? Exactly. So my car gets stolen and, uh, I'm like stranded in LA. Don't know anybody. I'm oh, staying at no. a friend of a friend's dad's house. Pre-smartphone. Pre-well, uh, yes. It, it pre- ha- I had like a Nokia. Yeah, it was you're right. Definitely pre-smart. Pre- yeah, totally it, pre-smartphone. I didn't even have a smartphone until I was 24. Right. And right now I'm 31. So you <laughs> did right. not have totally a smartphone pre- when you were 23. You're 100% right. Yeah. Uh, so I call my parents. I'm like, here's my situation, and they're like, well, you know, they, they're like, this is the best we can do for you right now. They send me 600 bucks. And so I'm pretty strapped. So I ended up yeah. finding a, a car on Craigslist for $600. Oh my gosh. And it was a Honda Civic and it looked like it had a bad case of leprosy. Yeah. <laughs> and it was missing a lug nut on the front left tire. So, uh, and it would shake going down yeah. the freeway 55 miles an hour. So, oh um, so that was my new car that was trying to take me from A to B. And I was not happy. I was not a joyful yeah. person. And I was trying my best. It was like, I feel like this is supposed to be my path in life, but it's not easy. And things aren't coming my way like they used to be coming. Um, Yeah. stuff. Uh When I went through that thing that artists go through, I was like, this is just what life feels like. Mm -hmm. And it didn't phase me at all. Yeah. Zero. Yeah. But good. You you learned it. I learned. I learned. And I ended up getting a roommate to help cut down on some rent. Good. I really, I had like a come to Jesus moment really with my myself and, um, and ended up getting involved with a group of improvisers cool. who really, really cared for me. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So I ended up finding my tribe. Yeah. And, um, and what I mean by that is like, I found people that were, there are still to this day, some of my nearest and dearest friends, even though they, most of them still live in LA. Um, I was in their weddings. They were in mine. Like we are dear, dear friends. Um, but they would also call me out on my own stuff. Yeah. They were people who were really good at holding the mirror to me. That's awesome. And they got me into teaching improv and I did not want to teach. I wanted to be an actor and I wanted to get my name in the lights and on the screens and and everything. And I fell in love with teaching, teaching improv. Teaching is really, really special. It is. So where you were doing comedy with these people though. Yes. They're they're an improv group. Yes. Troop. Yeah, yeah, you can say it. They were called Monkey Butler Comedy, and uh, of course, <laughs> of course. And at the time, they were actually—I would—I might argue to say they were probably becoming the fastest-growing improv theater in Los Angeles wow. at one time. Yeah, wow. So. And so you stopped trying to audition for the Groundlings. Yes, I ended okay. up not too long after my car got stolen. I had to drop my class. Okay, and so, uh, so yeah. Okay. So then you were, you were, I, I want to, but so you start teaching, but before you can teach, you have to like have skills. So how are sure. you, how are you gaining those skills? So I learned a little bit here in town. There was a theater company called new heritage. That's no longer around, but okay. I learned some improv there. And then I had, uh, uh, studied at the groundlings prior to moving back. So I basically okay. went back, signed back up with the groundlings and then I started studying at Upright Citizens Brigade. Okay, I know well. that one too. Okay. Yeah. And I also had a background with comedy sports. Okay. So I was assembling yeah. all this knowledge. Yeah. Uh, and then I was running a, a troupe here in Boise yeah. before I moved to LA in the first place. Oh, okay. So I was I was 
pulling stuff off you were, of you had the, done all the things. Yeah, I was. Yeah, had a had a, a weekly show that I was doing here. In, oh, great! And <laughs> yeah. maybe just really quickly, like, mm-hmm. what was what was that like in terms of like your identity, your sense of like I'm doing the thing? Oh, so good. Yeah. So I might say that um, I had a lot of my r- identity wrapped up in the applause. Mm. So I was performing for praise. Yeah. And the praise was fueling me. And so I was constantly getting hungrier to perform better for the applause. Yeah. And, um, and it was a big, big part of my identity, which I think is why when I had my breakup yeah. that it affected my identity yeah. because I had met this girl on an acting tour and mm-hmm. she had broke up with her boyfriend to go, to go with me. So oh, I man. was, yeah, it was all the, the, the cards were really stacked yeah. wonderfully. So what, yeah. I mean, how did you deal with that when it kind of, I had to realize that, it, that, um, my identity doesn't come from applause. Yeah. I had to discover that I was enough just the way that yeah. I am, not by yeah. how people applaud me. Do you, um, okay, wait, I have another question about identity, but I'll sure. ask it later. This, the whole, my goal is really to talk about your artist identity. <laughs> okay. We're just, I need to have some information before like, you know, we can have that conversation. Uh-huh. So you started teaching. Tell me about that. Um, like I said, I didn't want to originally, but I, and I also didn't know that I was a good teacher. Yeah. And when I had students who were hanging out afterwards wanting to learn from me as if they were wanting to do life like me, mm. I started realizing mm. that that there's something in the same way they're like, there's something in what you're doing here. There was something in my teaching. Yeah. And um and I was really these guys who were taking my class, I really started to care about them. Yeah. And they became really close friends. Yeah. Also this group that I was doing improv with we would do this thing after class where we would say, Hey guys, uh, that's it. Thanks. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you next week. However, here in LA, those of you who have moved, some of you guys have moved away from home and stuff like that. And I understand how difficult it can be Mm -hmm. sometimes. Mm -hmm. So for those of you who are interested, we're just going to pray for some of you guys who would like that. Yeah. And so some people would leave and then, but most people were just like lingering, hanging out. Yeah. And uh, we're like, all right, guys, a little circle of you guys want some prayer. And so yeah. like literally we kind of were sharing each other's hearts and souls with each mm-hmm. other. And now we were connected and sharing on a whole other level. Do you want to talk about like how your like relationship with like God or religion is related to art for you? Like, is that something that's like important? that you want to speak on? Yeah. You know, I will say that my, my beliefs are never anything that I, uh, want to, want to push on anybody. Um, however, my faith is very, very important in my life. And, and I think that because of my, my own personal faith journey, and really, honestly, I feel like improv comedy showed me so much about God's sense of humor Mm -hmm. and his care for people that, um, that it brought me closer to God. And I didn't even know that that was going to be my, mm. my journey. Um, and so I guess just to, j- just to share with you in that moment where people started sharing what they were wanting, I, it's this thing where like, they're not just a student, like they're a person I love and care for. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's something about, I don't know. Like I have that thing too. I okay. just said this to the 
woman that I interviewed this morning, like I just fall in love with people like instantly. I just love people. <laughs> and it's like a, it's like a deep, it's not like, I love you, man. It's like, I care about you. Like yeah. I want to see people like at their very most like core mm -hmm. and like, I want people to be like their best people. Yeah. And I'm, I'm interested in people. Yeah. So same I, here. I get that. Okay. Yeah, I fully understand that. Yeah. And yeah. I, and I felt like, you know how, when you have a breakthrough in life, I feel like that gives you the ability to release that breakthrough on other people. I hope so. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I hope yeah. so too. I think it does. Um, meaning when someone comes to me and they're talking about issues that they've had with relationship yeah. and identity, I feel like I'm like, Oh, I have, I have answers for you. I have things for you. Yeah. That's going to <laughs> save yeah. you years of pain and anguish. Yeah. Um, so, I, so there's that, but yeah, for me, honestly, uh, when it comes to my own faith journey, I had a chance of a lifetime where um, a friend of mine in LA who had asked me to teach classes, uh, he had this gig for Disney come up mm -hmm. and he was going to go on this tour to Switzerland and Germany cool. and England. And he's like, Sean, I have this gig with Disney come up and I can't go. And yeah. I said that you should go in my stead yeah. to do the tour. Wow. And I was like, what? Are you serious? So anyways, long story short, I found myself calling the artistic director to tell him that after I'd been rehearsing to do this whole show, yeah. that I couldn't go. Oh, wow. Right? And yeah. I wanted to so bad. Yeah. Everything in my soul wanted to go. And it was a chance. It was a dream come true. And it was just, I couldn't afford like my cell phone bill. I couldn't afford rent and I couldn't mm -hmm. afford this trip as much yeah. as I wanted to go. Yeah. I was like, I don't know how to make this happen. Anyways, the d artistic director prays for me over the phone, which I didn't even know you could do by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Oh, it works like this. Yeah. You could, I mean, like, yeah. I think you can do prayer. I think however you can do you prayer want. any way you want. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, <laughs> but I had what weird thing. I had a pastor pop into one of my improv classes and he was kind of a big deal. Uh, he, he wrote several books. I was very aware of him. And, uh, during that session, we're like, we'll see you guys next week. Uh, but if you want prayer, stick around. And so yeah. he stuck around and I was like, do you want to pray for all of us? And I tell you the way that this guy prayed, I'd never heard anyone pray like that. Mm. And it was like, he had a relationship with the divine God. He knew him and I, and I wanted to know him the way he did. Cool. And so I remember driving home that night from class going, God, I want a new prayer. Up I want like a cell phone upgrade for yeah. my prayer yeah. life. Like, cool. Yeah. So anyways, yeah. so that I was like a, that. yeah, that was a game changing yeah. life moment for me. And then you incorporated that into your group. Yeah. Or you were already uh, doing that. I was, Sorry, we were already maybe. doing okay. it. Yeah, yeah. I was already doing it. So, um, I met a bunch of improvisers at a church one day. Cool. And so that's how I kind of ended up getting wrangled in. I'm surprised that you're not a bigger fan of Pete Holmes because he's so like, he, he also like, he's like, he's a Christian guy, right? Or he, well, he's he, not anymore. I okay. mean, yes. <laughs> I mean, like in terms of like the language, I think yeah. like, yeah. Okay. Um, anyway, I mean, you don't have to like Pete Holmes. Whatever. No, I, I, you know <laughs> what I've seen of Pete, he's great. Yeah. Like I just, here's, here's, can I out myself real quick? <laughs> yes. I don't listen to a lot of comedy podcasts. I don't or listen to like a lot of music. <laughs> So like it's how funny is that? Well, I mean, 
I think it's the most typical thing. Like sure. the thing that you're doing all the time, you need a break from it. Yeah. And when I listen to comedians, I relate so much to it. Like I feel like their lives are really similar to my life. So I totally feel like I get these people, but it's not, it doesn't feel like work. Yeah. You know, like where when I'm listening to like music podcasts, I can't help but be thinking like, why well, should be doing that? Or like, you know, I just can't help it. Like as much as I want it to just entertain me, like it can't. Right. Because it, yeah. it it buzzes around in the part of my brain that's working. Yeah. So I so I have to imagine it's like it's the same. Yeah, I so, think you're exactly right. That like yeah. the old saying, a uh, uh, cod fisherman never eats cod. Yeah, you just you 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 get sick of it. And yeah. even when I even when I do listen to music, it's not entertaining to me. Like it it might be really moving. Mm. It's not entertaining. Yeah. So I need like I it's comedy because mm -hmm. it's the same. I like all the same things about comedy that I like about the kinds of music I like, right. but it doesn't make, it doesn't feel like work. Yeah. Anyway. That's good. Okay. So we were talking about like, um, you started teaching mm -hmm. that felt really big and yeah. important. Yeah. Um, how long ago was that? This was 2010. Okay. So yeah. When uh, did you end up moving back to Boise? I moved back, I want to say 12 Okay. 2012. So did it, did anything else happen in like those years between like, oh my gosh, I love teaching and like moving back that you want to tell me? Uh, you know, what's interesting. I, so I went on this tour that you my friend, I ended up going. Okay. Yeah. Cause this artistic director prayed for me. Yeah. And, uh, I, I after I got, it must've been a good prayer. Cause yeah. afterwards <laughs> I hung up my friend's phone that I was using cause I wasn't able to pay my cell phone bill at the time. Uh, I hit my knees in my apartment in North Hollywood and just like surrendered to God. And I was like, everything I have is now yours, including my life. And it was as if God was like, hold on tight because yeah. you have no idea what you just asked me. Yeah. And, uh, and I had some really great and terrible, wonderful things happen to me. Yeah. Where, like, uh, there's this thing about like, if you've ever tr trimmed back branches on a, or if you've ever pruned a tree or a garden, you make room for new growth. Yeah. So I was having, I was going through the, the breaking of the branches phase, yeah. which never feels good by yeah. the way, you yeah. know, relationship. Oh, that was a bad one. You know, yeah. and, you know, so everything was breaking off of me and I felt very bare, Yeah. but I was making room for new growth yeah. in my life. And, uh, so anyways, so I go on this tour and while I'm on this tour, um, I end up getting invited to come back to Europe to, wow. to do an internship in Spain cool. where they wanted me to teach improv to the locals. Cool. And it was on that internship that I met my wife, Colleen. Oh, Colleen. Right? Yeah. You so met her in Spain. I met That's her in so Spain. Cool. She's from New Jersey. Yeah. yeah so, uh, but uh, yeah, totally fun. That's a whole, that's a whole fun story. But, um, so Actually, it's such a part of the story of why I'm doing what I'm doing that I'll just share the snippet it. and it's fun because it's relationships and everyone loves that. But in Spain, they don't greet people by shaking hands. They kiss each other on the on the yeah. cheeks. Um, and when I first met Colleen, I actually heard an inaudible voice that sounded a lot like my own, but it said, get to know Colleen. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I guess she needs a friend or whatever, yeah. right? So anyways, as as things would have it, I was just, she had told me, you know what I want to do, Sean? And she was an art student. And she's like, I want to help artists connect more to the thing that makes them who they are. Oh my gosh, and help I've got to talk them. to her. You're going to love talking yeah. to her because she's brilliant. But she's like, 
I want to help artists not just discover I she because she's very artistic, but she's super organized and yeah. she gets her brain works so brilliantly. I'm like that too. So yeah, yeah, you guys are gonna I'm, hit it I'm, off. I'm already excited. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> as she's talking to me, I was like, Colleen, I'll be your first artist <laughs> that you help. Yeah, and uh, and now we've been married for seven years, but um, so she's very committed uh, to helping artists. But I she's I, stuck with her. Yeah, she's stuck with you. She's stuck with me. So <laughs> to her own demise. <laughs> But what's really interesting is she wasn't like that voice that was like, get to know Colleen. I, I had, I did not ab- at all zero believe that it was like, get to know Colleen. Cause you're going to marry her. Didn't yeah. think that at all. And it w- but it was a couple weeks later that I was, I actually had a, like she popped up into a, like a vision that I had. Yeah. And so I, I was, since I had this newfound surrender to God, yeah. I started, where I'd wake up in the morning and I would just lay on the floor and, and pray. And as during just prayer time, an image of Colleen pops into my head and I'm like, why am I seeing an image of Colleen? She's my friend, but she's like, love her. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And I, I actually, I was like, God, why, why am I seeing a picture of Colleen right now? And, and these words were like impressed upon me and the words were, uh, She's beautiful, powerful, and special. Wow. And from that day forward, I could not see her other ways than that. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. So I knew I was going to marry her before she did. (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. You you kept the little secret until it was time. Yeah. So I moved back to Boise and um, a church actually hired me. Cool. Um, to be their youth pastor cool. and to do stuff. So um, I I had moved back to Boise actually just for a short time, but it was then that I found out that my my dad was diagnosed with stage four prostate cancer, and um, so I was like, well, I'm not. I'm just gonna stay home with mom and dad for a little while. I was gonna ask like why you didn't move back to L.A., but yeah, that's... it was. I literally was in this in between stage in life. Yeah, where I just had some dynamic life things of surrendering and discovering this whole other thing of who I was. And so I wasn't sure if LA was, was home again or if it was Europe or whatever. Did did that feel like a, a religion thing? Like not in a disrespectful way, like, but did it feel like LA isn't where I feel God? It felt, it it wasn't that I didn't feel God in LA. It was a a calling thing. Okay. Meaning that, Now that I feel very in tune to God, yeah. like if he's asking me to go somewhere uh, and if I don't go there, um, there's, like, there's like life consequences sure. that I feel like I was very aware of. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's something that a lot of people call a lot of names. Like, you yeah. know, I mean, I think, I think that experience of like, I've got to pay attention to this thing. Mm-hmm. That's something that I think a lot of people and maybe especially artists yeah people but i mean i think maybe maybe if i think it's especially artists it's maybe just because our paths are so weird like there isn't mm-hmm. the fact that there isn't a clear path maybe makes you kind of pay attention mm-hmm. to those things in a different way well you know what's interesting is artists are often inspired and that word sure. inspired yeah. it comes from your your soul being you know it, inspiration is also the word that they use for like breath 
Like that, like, right. Like yes. inspiration is like a breath. Right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, even in creation, the first existence of, of man was he was breathed on by God, the yeah. great creator. So I believe that all of us are creative and we were breathed on by this divine creator. Anyways, I don't want to be over spiritual, but I'm just to share it with you. I mean, I've, I've said this before, but I, my goal is so just to like capture like artists and what makes like what makes them the way that they are. So if like God is like a big part of that for you, then Mm -hmm. like it's important. Yeah. (laughs) It's important to your story. For sure. So I'm, Whatever, whatever, you know, like you, you are the things that yeah. are you are you. So. Right. Right. So yeah, I'm, I guess I'm just sharing personally, very personally what, uh, what my own thoughts or beliefs are, but I do think that artists are often very in tuned and yeah. I think that they're in tuned to, in some ways, like the, the spiritual realm and, um, even, you know, even bi- biblically the first people that uh, were bestowed with the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament were were artists. Cool. And I don't know that story. Yeah, it was like the the building of this temple. Like they uh, they were given this 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 ability to create cool. and craft and work with their hands and work with um, and basically to do art. Yeah. You know, um, there's even a story of. Uh, singers that led the way to this battle, which yeah. is really, I've heard that. You've heard that I've one. Heard that okay, one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Being a singer, I would yeah. imagine. So, yeah. So my, well, and there's also like the trumpets and like the wall of Jericho. Like, yeah, I yeah. mean, there's, but yeah, there's a lot of, there's, there's art stuff there's going totally on in the Bible stuff. Come on, you guys. <laughs> uh, so anyways, so I think artists are very in tune naturally. And I think that a lot of times we're, we're creating because we are creative and I believe that comes from somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Compelled by like some kind of, uh, you know, divine nature type yeah. of a thing. I really believe that. Yeah. Um, okay. So you've, you, you felt, you know, uh, impressed upon to like be here. Yeah. In to Boise. be here, to be with my family. With and dad. fortunately, um, you know, what's funny is my friend, uh, David, who had, invited who had been like sean i want you to teach sean take my spot in this tour yeah um he asked me to officiate his wedding and so i came to a church one sunday and i was like hey i want to talk to you about getting officiated so i can do this wedding in los angeles yeah and um they he looked at me really really weird and he's an ends up uh they end up taking me out to lunch and say we were just praying about you. And I was like, wait, what? Wow. And so they ended up telling me how they were looking for someone yeah. to do this, that. And I told them my kind of my life story. And they're yeah. like, you're the guy we were asking for. Wow. So, yeah. uh, so the beautiful thing was, is I got this full-time job and I had told the pastor my situation with my dad. And he's like, at, uh, like I said, I want to be there for him for yeah. these meetings. And he's like, anytime your dad has something, I want you to go, like, go, yeah. go do it. You have That's my, my blessing. So important to have, I mean, yeah, the placement of people like that in your life at those kinds of times is mm-hmm. really, it's really valuable. Yeah. So that was like what, five years ago? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 2012, Seven. I believe 2011. Seven years 12. ago. Yeah. Um, so what's happened since then? Like I want, I want, I, so what I'd love is if like, you can tell me kind of how you got to be doing what you're doing now. And then let's talk a little bit about some of that identity stuff. Okay. So, um, so I was there working for a short amount of time, which, uh, I, I how did Colleen get here? 
So Colleen, <laughs> this is kind of funny. So Colleen and I were basically Skyping with each other. And I was like, Colleen, I, I want to pursue you. Like yeah. <laughs> I want to marry you. And I just want to tell you that. So, uh, so I end up booking a comedy tour to the East Coast to pick her up in New Jersey to bring her on back to Idaho. Awesome. And so she and this ends, is a stand-up tour? This is a stand-up tour that a friend of mine was headlining on and he brought me on to as a, a feature. Yeah. Cool. So, um, which is really funny because cause I did I wasn't doing any stand-up at the time. I was only doing improv. So I was doing these solo yeah. improv comedy shows. Was this like your first stand-up yes. experience? Yes, cool. it was. Yeah. It but was. you weren't like writing. I wasn't were, writing. Okay. Uh-uh. Yeah. You were improvising. I was cool. improvising. Yeah, okay. That didn't so come till later, you got but. Colleen, you brought her here. Brought her here. She ended up moving in with her friends and, um, and, uh, yeah, I ended up proposing to her. We got engaged three months later. We're married three months after that. I believe. Wow. Something like that. Six months, maybe. Okay. So you're working as a, the youth pastor. Mm-hmm. Then what? So I, so this is the funny thing. I went home and prayed and, and got a number and I told the pastor, this is how many days I'll be working for you, which is 180, which is only six months. Yeah. And he was like, let's not put a number on it. Yeah. And, um, anyways, sometimes churches go through this really painful thing called like a church split. Yeah. And, um, and it's kind of, it kind of is like the underbelly of church or religion and can be pretty gnarly. But anyways, my last day was 180 days and they're like, if you want to, you know, anyways, long story short, I had comedy was like the door was open for me. I ended up meeting a, a friend of mine. His name is Heath Harmison and he's a, he's a standup comedian and you can check out his stuff. He's very funny. Um, uh, he was like, we both had people saying, you got to meet this guy. You got to meet this guy. So we ended up meeting each other, hit it off. And he is in this interesting place in life where he wants to do more of what I'm doing. And I want to learn what, what he's doing. Yeah. He's doing mostly stand up. He's doing mostly stand up, and I've been doing mostly improv, but I had this duo show that I used to do in Europe and he's like, I want to go to Europe and so we end up doing this duo show. We end up going to Scotland. Cool. And uh, he ends up going to S- Spain and meeting Colleen. And then uh, she moves back to New Jersey. I move back to Idaho. And and then we're like, hey, I'm not working for the church anymore. W- let's book a tour. So we booked a tour to the East Coast to pick up Colleen. And now Colleen is here. And Recycled Minds ends up becoming reborn. Okay. It was a troop. That was your... That okay. was my troop years ago in 2002 before I left to LA in the first place. Okay, okay. And so my friend Heath really was like, dude, this name is such a cool name. And, uh, you know, I think the name should be resurrected. Yeah. So I was it like, should be okay, cool. Recycled. Recycled. Let's bring it back. It's only healthy for everybody. So we brought it back. We started kind of traveling and touring under that name. And uh, Colleen ended up a couple years later after we got married she was like, you guys could use some help. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so she's a visual artist. She's a visual yeah. artist. Okay. So uh, my buddy Heath's stand-up career really started flourishing and taking off. And so Vegas was calling. And so he ends up going to Vegas. I want to start, I want to teach classes. And so it was kind of this interesting pathway where doors were thrown wide open for, for Heath to, to do stand up in, yeah. in Vegas and travel and all over. And, uh, and, and things were opening up for me to teach. And so 
so basically recycled minds s- stopped being this this troop this troop yeah. and ended up becoming this training center awesome yeah and so we've been adding on students year and after year so you started it like seven years ago started seven years yeah. ago yeah wow uh or reformed it i should yeah. say seven years ago and then what's this building that we're in so we are in the creative space so this is what a great name thank you yeah, yeah. so this is our home for recycled minds comedy but uh we uh, you know we open it up for other uh, events and things is like it that as your well. building this you is our and building Colleen. yeah and then who, who else is in here with you so we have a production team that also has an office space here so they are uh the they're a creative uh, cooperative cool. of uh, filmmakers. And awesome. Yeah. I'll interview some of them next time yeah, I'm here too. Great we'll too. get Colleen <laughs> there you go. and someone from there. Creative Collective. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so we have multiple classrooms. We have three different classrooms, a conference room, a lounge, and then we have about a hundred seat theater with That's uh, amazing. Yeah. It's just That's amazing so cool. story too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love it. I'm like, I'm okay. Okay. So let's, you said before that you, um, how did you put it? The applause, your identity uh-huh. wasn't into the applause. Yeah. So is, is art part of your identity? Mm. Like if not applause, like is art? No. Tell me more. Uh, art is something I do. Yeah. It comes out of me. Yeah. Uh, just like improv. Yeah. Improv isn't me. Just like comedy isn't me. It's a part of me. It's yeah. something that I have to offer. Can you be more specific about like what the relationship is between yourself and the stuff you make? Sure. Let me see if I can do this. So um, I know it's the weirdest question, but like, you know, I the podcast is called Artifice mm-hmm. because I, I believe that every artist has like some, you know, like artificial can mean like cheap and artificial, mm-hmm. but it can also mean like, it's the surface. Like mm-hmm. there's the artificial layer um, in like a non-evaluative way, you yeah. know, just like, so if, if the, if the product is like somewhat artificial, then the thing I want to know is like, what is the name of the space between the thing and you? Hmm. Okay. Like what, it, what, what happens in there? Yeah. Um, I think what I'm delivering, um, I know that part of my job is to deliver some sort of service to other people, yeah, right? That's in your values. That's in my values. Now, who I am comes through in that. It's a little bit like d- dropping a, a bucket into a well, and you're getting water, um, but you know you're you're getting um, you're getting the nutrients that's in the well. You're getting the nutrients that's in the earth. You're getting so you feel sense. like the art is like you filtered in some way? Yeah, I think it, it is. And I play a lot of different characters and some of those characters are caricatures of, sure. a, you know, parts of you, or parts something. of me or yeah. parts of our culture. Uh, it could be a social, um, uh, uh, what's the word I'm, I'm looking like a for. commentary. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what I was looking for. I've, so I listen to comedy podcasts. <laughs> so you get it. That's the word they yeah, use. Yeah, exactly. Social commentary. Yeah. Thank you. So, um, <laughs> I got you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having my back. So I, th- I think uh, like I'm not divulging my entire yeah. soul. 
Sure. Um, I'm delivering something that is digestible, something that's that's entertaining, that's something that might be informative, humorous. Yeah. Um, it might be very real and yeah. raw at times. Yeah. And I do believe that improv is one of the most immediate, it's the most immediate form of theater I've ever come across. Yeah. Um, I won't say that it's the most immediate art form. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's definitely maybe one of the most, I don't know. But my point is, is that you're getting me, but my art is an image of me. So you're getting some of my identity. Yeah. You're getting some of my expression, but you're not getting all of me. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I like to ask about it. I think the answer is always interesting. Sure. And I, I think it's often some version of that same. Like there, I mean, but I think for some people it's like you're getting like all of, it's not like you're getting one part of me reliably. Mm. It's like all the things, but like filtered and kind of compressed. Yeah. Or like I've, I've talked to artists where like, it's like there's a specific part of myself that only comes out in the art and it doesn't exist anywhere else. Right. Like my, my art is like an appendage that is so part of me, but it does, it's nowhere else. Right. So I like, I like to ask about it. Do you feel like when you are deciding like what to do and maybe this is because it's improvised, it's a hard question to answer, but do you have like specific purposes or like specific like values that you want to like kind of always come through? Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, yes. Um, in part for me, so I do all family friendly comedy, sure. which is in its own way, very hard. Yeah. Um, it's much easier for me now than it used to be. Um, just because partly I've practiced it so much, but also my well is different. Yeah. You know? Well, you, I have to imagine like having a child yeah. changes that for you it too. Does. It gives it, you new. Yeah. It gives you a different well. It does. Yeah, for sure. So, and I think that's the point is like we're so complex as humans, you know, um, I'm a father, I'm a son, I'm a brother, I'm a best friend. I'm, I'm, I, you know, I have people who are haters, so I'm someone's villain. You know what I mean? And as, yeah. as, as, as bummer as that might be. Um, but so when you're putting on art, I have an opportunity to display to the audience what it is that is going to fit the story best. Hmm. So I'm a live storyteller. Yeah. And depending on the audience that night, depending on the suggestion, depending on the people that I'm that we're working with, we kind of do a bit of 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 a math that has no numbers sure. to discover the storyline that we want to create. And it's almost always humorous. Yeah. Like it is always humorous, but um, my, But maybe like there's a specific character that's like enabling other humor maybe yeah i don't often pull out the same stock characters every yeah. time you I, know I'm i just doing... mean like it's always the 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 whole is humorous but maybe there's like pieces of it that are a little bit yeah there's a little there's a there's parts of it this is uh mike brabiglia i think says it best actually he says when you're ever you're doing comedy there needs to be drama and whenever you're doing drama there needs to be humor yeah and i 100 percent believe that yeah and, and i think that's part of our human uh like we love that as humans yeah. we want to go on a roller coaster yeah. ride if you're just punching me in the face with laugh out loud moments it doesn't uh, it loses all its meaning it does it needs context it does yeah. and so uh, 
so I love going on a journey with people yeah. where it's funny. And when people laugh, they're actually ready to cry, right? So when they laugh, they're open, they're listening, they're at the edge of their seat. And now they've given you permission to take them on this this yeah. journey. Yeah. And the journey so fun. Yeah. Okay. Maybe just one other question about that. When you're stepping into different characters, you're on the stage, you know, whatever it is that you're doing, does that experience ever inform your Sean identity later? Like, I mean, certainly you're informing it, Mm -hmm. but like, do you ever feel like it happens the other way? Yes, actually. That's a really, that's a really great question. Um, yes, it does. Because sometimes I'm playing characters that are, uh, they might be a, uh, a social commentary or it might be a reflection of something that I have going on in yeah. me, depending on how the audience responds to that. Mm. Let's let it, it, it shows that I'm actually responsible for what just came out of me. Mm. And so in a sense, the audience is holding up the mirror to what I just delivered to them. Sure. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So it, it's almost like a, a mechanism whereby you evolve to. Yes. Yeah. I, I totally, I it, totally it believe that. It becomes like a growth mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. growing with the audience yeah. and, you know, it says like, know your audience. Like, yeah. you know, um, and I, in an improv show, I get to know the audience really well and they get yeah. to know me. But as we continue to do this thing, I do discover more yeah. about myself as a, as a person who's um, devoted like so much of your life to being creative and also teaching creativity and just making room for it, um, is there anything that you want to say about like why it matters or like or, or not even why it matters, but like what would what do you like to soapbox about about creativity? Like what is what is this something? What is what do you want to say about it? Um, it could I, be why it matters or something else. I, I think one of the things I, I love to talk about is, um, you have permission to create. Yeah. Um, I, I once had a student before they took a class. They're like, I'm just not creative. Yeah. It's so sad. Yeah. It just it it, makes me so sad. <laughs> yeah. The thing is we are creative. We just might not be creating something or, yeah. you know, or, or aware that we already are creative. Yeah. I, I so get on one about this. This is my soapbox. Okay. This is my creativity soapbox. Yeah, I want to hear The listeners it. hear me say it all the time. <laughs> but I think we can get stuck thinking that creativity needs a product. I, maybe mm. I said that already a little bit, but um, I can't. Maybe it was earlier today. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> this is interview number three. Um, yeah. But I think creativity is in your mind. Like, I mean, it can be something that is a product and it can be music. It can be visual art. It can be, you know, creative writing, but like the root of creativity is just your mind, you know, thinking about like framing situations differently, thinking creatively about people, who they are, who they could be. Um, yeah. So, and that's the thing that, that's the thing that I want to see more of. Uh, creativity that's in, in people's minds or, yeah. I mean, okay. I want to see, I want people to be creative. I want people to think creatively. Okay. And whether that means that they like make things great. Yeah. If they're, if, if like, what, what was it that you were saying? Like 
maybe you're, it's not that you're not creative, you're just not doing anything. Mm -hmm. But like, I think when people get scared about that kind of thing, it's sometimes it's because they don't think they have a skill. Mm -hmm. They don't think mm -hmm. they have a creative skill. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like, cre creativity is a skill. <laughs> like just <laughs> like having a creative perspective. Right. That's, that's like the thing, uh -huh. I think. And then what you want to do with it is like, whatever. Yeah, I think, you know, cooking is creative totally. and definitely there's some cooks that are better than others, right? Um, doodling, drawing, writing, um, conversing, well, telling your totally. story, sharing your emotions. That's all creative. We're naturally creative. I think so. And I think um, what I when I hear someone say I'm not creative, what I'm hearing them say is I haven't had the opportunity to be more of myself. Hmm. And I think... When you create, whether it's in your in your mind or whether you're journaling, um, a lot of times that's for you and it's healthy. Yeah. It's healthy to create. When you're creating another product, oftentimes that's also for other people. Yeah. So, so it, one, it's healthy for you to express or to create. Yeah. But two, if what you expressed or creates connects with another person. Right. You're, you're impacting it's them in some building way. bridges, which, yeah. And I, and I think that's why I feel like the precursor to that is like just thinking creatively about where a bridge could be, mm -hmm. you know, like, I mean, I think we get, we get so stuck othering in like our current, like climate and our, our culture. Um, and I, I think that's due to a, a lack of creativity. <laughs> I mean, it's due to a lot of things, but like if, you know, like I'm not, I grew up Mormon, but I'm, I'm not religious anymore. And, uh, you know, it's pretty easy for me to hear you talk about your experience with religion and know that it's not at all related to mine. Right. <laughs> and like, you know, that like your relationship with God is like, has nothing to do with like what that ever was for me. And I, I think that's creativity. Hmm. Like just knowing that like, um, like the way that you th feel about God is like the way, the way that I feel about something else. Sure. Um, where it, it could be for some people, that kind of thing can be the end of the conversation. Right. You know, yeah. which is in, like, I'm very hesitant at times conversing about my own yeah. personal beliefs because I, I know sometimes it does shut down conversations with people, yeah. but because people start thinking that they don't have anything in common with you. Right. Which yeah. is, I think that is a lack of creative thought. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because like, yeah. these are words and these are right. feelings and like, you know, anyway. Well, and I think so I'm very... It's important. Yeah, it is important. I think I think religion gets in the way. And I wouldn't consider myself religious, I, I, but I am a person of faith. And I think yeah. art itself, creating, takes great faith because faith is believing in something you don't see. Totally. You know? And so whenever you're creating something, yeah. it's not there yet. Yeah. I'm so with you about that. Like I, I'm, um, I think if I have to say, I probably don't believe in God anymore. Um, but I so believe in, in inspiration and I so believe in like meaning and like, you know, these like paths that we're like supposed to take or should take or, you know, I still like, I have such a, um, I have such an inclination toward like mystery yeah. in a way that like, I think the words that 
the words that I use around God got a different meaning to me because mm-hmm. of the way I was raised. It got right. a meaning that doesn't mean that good stuff to me right. anymore. So I can hear you talk about it and just think like, we're talking about the same thing, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. just using different words. Yeah. Cause like nobody who like taught you God was like really crappy. <laughs> um, anyway so I mean I I like it I like to hear people talk about like I I feel like with just like a tiny bit of like a creative frame it's like it's the same conversation right Um, yeah you're talking about mystery and paths we take and inspiration and I'm like those are God words yeah Yeah. you're talking about my God yeah (laughs) totally totally. I think so too I think it's and it's just like the the imagery and like the narratives and the mythology and the storylines that like are going to work for you are going to maybe change depending on like what your relationship with your dad is like. Yeah. Yeah. Because if God's your dad, mm-hmm. that can get tricky. 100%. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, if, if you can know your dad and then know God and be like, this makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. That might, I mean, it's not to say that people who have bad dads can't love God. I'm just right. saying the context that you grow up in changes what types of words. Yeah, the and word father might ruin are it going for you. to yeah. mm-hmm. land well with you. Yeah, for sure. Jeez, yeah. thanks for talking with me. Um, <laughs> so I like to always end. I ask people on this day, "What's your dream collaboration? Like, who would you love to work with?" Oh man! And if you don't have to pick one person, you can like assemble a team. Well, you, you know what's funny? Um, I love collaborating. I love working with other people. Um, and I've had the opportunity to do some film projects. My wife and I wrote a novel together. Awesome. Uh, and I'm constantly doing mo- most of my improv shows. 99% of them are always done with other people. Cool. And usually it's multiple. So, but we were, the first person that popped in my head was Jake Van Papigan. Jake is so cool. He's so cool. Shout out to Jake. I love yeah. collaborating with him. We've worked on three different film projects together. And I think he, he's gotten awards on two of the three, uh, for his music. And, um, and I think the reason he might not have got an award on the the first one is because our film got DQ'd, (laughs) but, uh, but someone ended up buying the film anyways, which is really funny. But my point is like, I love working with, so Jake is the kind of artist where I'm like, Jake, there's this feeling that I'm going for in this story. And like, I want it to have this kind of a feel and like I might hum something to him or whatever. And he's like, oh yeah, okay. I think I got it. And then he writes a song and it's like, dude, you just tied this thing together. I love that. I'm not kidding you. The guy that I interviewed just before I was here gave me like the exact same answer. Are you serious? He was like, I want to work with this producer. He has this gift where like when I walk, when I tell him like, I'll say like some weird thing, I'll like say a thing that's not even a thing. And he's like, I got it. (laughs) Like the guy just... I just, is this deja vu? I'm having the same conversation. That's yeah, awesome. That's cool. Um, that's, yeah. I mean, I think I, I haven't had, I haven't been creative with Jake in that way. Cause when we've played together, it's always been like, we're doing cover band. Gotcha. Like it's, yeah. it's money making and yeah. it's creative in the sense that like we're creating joy. Yeah. You know, like yeah. we're a dance party, Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's not creative in like the sense that we're making something that didn't exist before. Right other than the joy. Right. <laughs> um, but, uh, but that is such a gift. 
for someone to be able to kind of like bring to life mm-hmm. something that you're like, I don't even know how to say it to you. Cause it's just this like ephemeral thing. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm, it makes, I'm happy to hear that he is that kind of a person. He is. I yeah, haven't he's had great the pleasure of like knowing that mm-hmm. skill set for him. Do you know who Pete Mitchell is? No. Uh, he's the lead singer of no more Kings, but he's, uh, he's a friend of mine as well. And, and he would be fun to collaborate. He would be fun with to collab. Too. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Last, tell us where to find you. Uh, that's, so that's it. Yeah. So you can find me at recycledmindscomedy.com. That is the name of my, my, my training center. Cool. And, uh, and I work a lot with, with businesses as well and do corporate training and help people with connection and community and all we that stuff. We didn't even talk about that. I know. Well, but that's that stuff I was talking about before with like the creative creative thinking. Right. Like the yeah. Thinking about I, people. Absolutely. And I love that I have the opportunity to go into the workplace where, you know, and, and help where give adults back their crayons. Creatives. Back. Right. But yeah. they, you're, you're using creativity to say like, connect better, mm-hmm. have more community. Yeah. It's so important. Yeah. I it love is. it. So, uh, yeah, that's the best way. I think that's where you can find all my stuff. I do have a podcast as well. The improv lifestyle. Cool. Uh, as well. But, and, um, Colleen does your podcast with you, you right? She, I've interviewed her multiple times um, just because, one, I wanted to, uh, telling our story, it's she a, needed to be a part of it. Totally. But also, she's such an incredible artist herself, so I yeah. just interviewed her a I'm couple of times. S- I'm so excited to interview her. Next time I come, we're going to... Uh, Colleen and Sean just had a baby. Yeah. He's so, six months old just uh, yesterday. So we'll we'll take turns. I'll, I'll get her next time. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Sean, thank you so much. Thanks I appreciate it. Me. It's great to meet you and get to know you. Thanks so much for having me. It's my pleasure. Thanks for listening to Artifice. Our music is by Jerem Hansen and artwork by Sarah Keel. If you'd like to recommend a professional artist for an interview on the podcast, please send me a note through my website, emvocals.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks again. Have a great week.